Won't you pray for us, Carrie? Father, we thank you for this beautiful Palm Sunday, Lord, as um, people all around the world are celebrating and remembering your triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And uh, we thank you, Jesus, in advance just for your sacrifice as we come into what is considered Holy Week. And um, as we enter this week and walk it out, maybe be mindful of your sacrifice and live a life worthy of the calling that you have on each one of our lives. And as we come together as a group today, Father, I just pray that we would be ever so mindful of your great love and the great love that is, was displayed for us through your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name. <clears throat>
Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Today, as the church, we celebrate Palm Sunday. It's the day that Jesus rode in to Jerusalem. I want you to hear this account. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in highest heaven! The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus, fulfilling prophecy, entering into the holy city. And these people around him were caught up in the moment. These same people today, who was praising God, would within, at the end of this week, be yelling, Crucify Him! You see, they didn't know really who Jesus was. They were just caught up in the moment. And as we think of today, as we think of Palm Sunday, and I probably always do this every year on Palm Sunday, I challenge us, What's the motive of our hearts? What's the motive of our hearts? These people were caught up and they didn't know who they were to be caught up in. These people were just going through the motions and yet prophecy needed to be fulfilled. And Jesus fulfilled it. And every day on Palm Sunday, each year, I always reflect on Jesus. Jesus, you all, the Savior of the world, God's one and only Son, who who knows the condition of our hearts, who knows we're in complete rebellion towards Him, and yet He loves us. And I can only imagine as He's riding through this city, fulfilling this prophecy, having all of these people celebrate knowing good and well, their heart isn't for him. 
And I go, God, but yet your love, your love for us kept him going. At any moment, at any moment, Jesus could have stopped it all. But love is what compelled him to get to the cross. Like Jesus knows his purpose. It is the cross. It is the resurrection. It is to redeem mankind, to give mankind an opportunity to be restored back to God, to the original intent of who we're to be. Children of God, not children of rebellion, not to continue to walk in darkness, but to walk in light. Like the light of the world. Jesus is, you all. Oh, what a glorious day. Because as the church, we look at this week that's coming up as the Holy Week. I would encourage you to start tonight, read chapter 21, and continue through the week in Matthew. Take a day each day and read through his crucifixion. Look at the week that Jesus had leading up to his death to his resurrection this isn't nothing to take lightly as believers and i've always say if you're sitting here today and you're not a believer that's under that's fine <laughs> i would hope as you're hearing the holy words that the the lord as he's bringing forth conviction will draw you and you will respond because he's not going to force you to respond. He draws you. He reveals himself to you. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus. Jesus knows right where you're at. And he loves you. His will is is that you will not perish. That you would come to him. That you would be restored to God, the living God. So I'm going to play the last song again. I want you to meditate on on what you've just heard, on, on the purpose of Christ, how he made his way through the crowd to get to the cross. He allowed them to carry on. I can only imagine his heart as he was being led through the crowd. Oh, let there be light, Lord. Open the eyes of the blind. Christians, if you're sitting here today and you're a Christian, let this be so much more than a song of worship. Let this be a prayer for the lost.
that you are the resurrected king. Such great love, Father, that was displayed on your cross. To know, Father, that it's your will that none shall perish. Oh God, help us to truly see you for who you are. Thank you, Father, for your love, for freedom, for hope, for your grace and your mercy. They're new every morning. Thank you, Father, that this is the day that you have made and you have called us to rejoice and to be glad in it. I pray for those today that are sitting here, God, who are not in a relationship with you. I pray today would be the day of salvation. Their blind eyes would see. And I thank you for that, Lord. Bless our time together. Bless the reading of your word. May our hearts be good soil to receive it. And may we produce lasting fruit that our lives would ultimately Bring glory and honor to your name and to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, good morning to everyone. Carrie asked if she could share what's on her heart this morning, so I wanted to give her an opportunity before we get in the Word. Okay. I'm going to try to stand for as long as I can. Um, I don't have a problem sharing in front of people. I don't have a problem talking in front of people. I kind of was born a ham, and so I've always been able to talk in front of a lot of people without it bothering me. Um, but this week, thinking, I knew that um, I really felt impressed to, to share, but this week, thinking about it, I've been like sick all week, and like this morning I've had this terrible headache and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to do this anymore. And, um, but I'm like, I just couldn't figure out why. But I, I really feel like a battle um, for me to share this morning. And so I just want to open up before I share in prayer. Um, Father, I thank you uh, just for the opportunity to be able to share um, what's on my heart this morning. And God, I just pray that it would be um, nothing of me and all of you and be able to um, just encourage and just be obedient in sharing what I feel like that um, just has been um, laid upon my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, so this kind of comes from what a combination of what Norm shared last week and um, then what Rob shared last week. So it stemmed from both of them. And... This, hap this happens to me every once in a while, but have you ever looked into a mirror and when you look at yourself in the mirror, you wonder, like you have one of those moments, like, how did I get here? Like, how did I end up where I'm at today? And this has happened multiple times in my life where um, 
you just, it's not, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that stares into a mirror for a long time, but you catch yourself in the mirror and you're like, how did I get, how did I end up in this place? Wherever, you know, and I'm not talking about like where you are physically in that moment, just where you are in life, you know, and I've had a few times in my life that um, I look at myself and I go, I don't even know how I got here. Like, I just, things spiraled out of control, I made terrible decisions, and now I find myself here, and I'll catch myself in the mirror, and I'll just be crushed, or I'll just begin to cry, and go, how, how did things end up this way? And um, I've been thinking a lot about the people of Israel, and I feel like that they had, I envisioned them having that type of moment, this, how did I get here, moment, when they ended up in captivity um, by the people of Babylon. And I'm just gonna give you a tiny bit of history just in case you don't know um, what happened. God had sent a bunch of prophets to tell them, you're sinning, you're sinning. You're, you're basically, they had, um, their big sin was idolatry. And they were putting other things before God. And in the book of Jeremiah, which I'm gonna, which I'm gonna read a few verses from Jeremiah this morning, um, God had been telling them, "You're you're sinning. You're putting things before me, and you're gonna end up paying for it." Basically, and summarizing that, and it happened. And so Israel was broken up into two parts because they had, in essence, to bottom line, that they had a civil war, and it broke into the top half was basically Israel, and the bottom half, was, which contained Jerusalem, and the bottom half was Ju was Judea. But Judea, ended, or Judah, um, ended up um, being taken captive first. And then northern Israel, uh, which contained Jerusalem, ended up going um, being taken captive second. But they were in captivity um, from Babylon for 70 years, and they were there under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they were there, and they started, they didn't take everybody at once. They started taking people, but they took, and this sounds stupid, but like, it sounds kind of bad, but they took like the smart people and they took the gifted people, like the people that had a lot of talent and you know, the people that they could use. And they started taking those people first. And like, that's when Daniel was taken and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you've heard the, you know, those accounts. And then, basically, you get to the point where it, it talks about in Second Kings, where there was nothing left. The only people left um, in, like, the only people left in Judah were the people, they, they basically left the poorest of the poor. And it was only those people were left were the people to till the ground, like the people to work in the vineyards and the, and the farmers. That's all that was left. And that's all that King Nebuchadnezzar left. And those people were captive in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, if you didn't know, um, for 70 years, until Babylon was taken captive by, or overrun by Persia. And Persia was led by Cyrus. And Cyrus, he was the greatest warrior of all time. And he came in, and he, he took over Babylon, and they were crushed. And then comes in the prophet Ezra. And Ezra comes in, and through the prophet Ezra, they, they are led back to Israel, and Israel is reestablished yet again. But I'm gonna, that's just a little tiny history. 
But I, I think about how these people, you know, there's a verse that says that everyone left in chains, you know, and I think about these people and I'm like, wow, here they were, they were, they were so, you know, prosperous and they had developed so much and here they are, you know, and they thought they had, they thought they knew it all and they thought they had everything and all of a sudden they look in the mirror one day and they're captive in Babylon and I'm sure they have this like, how did I get here? How did this happen? Like one day we're living in our own land and the next day we're slaves in Babylon. How did this happen? And, you know, and I, I think about myself, you know, one day you think you have everything together and then one day your world is falling apart and you're like, how did, how did this happen? You know, how did this happen? And so that brought me to, um, I'm just going to read um, four verses from Jeremiah 22. I have my little owl bookmark. Um, and he's talking to one of the specific kings and what, what Nebuchadnezzar did was he basically took some kings that he thought he could have some control over in, in um, Israel and he put them over there. And he thought he, with the people that were left, and he thought he could rule them. And they always tried to do like a revolt and stuff. But this was one of the kings that he had left over in Israel to try to rule the people that had not yet come into Babylon. And so he speak, so God is speaking here through the prophet um, Jeremiah to one of those kings who was not obeying God. And so, but when he's speaking to him, he's also speaking to the people of Israel and he's speaking to us as well. So it's Jeremiah 20, uh, 22, 20 through 23. Weep for your, okay. And when he's, talking, when he's talking about allies, like Israel did have allies around them and they didn't have any friends anymore. There was no one to bail. God made sure that no one was going to bail Israel out. They, they had punishment coming to them. Weep for your allies in Lebanon. Shout for them in Bashan. Search for them in the regions east of the river. See, they are all destroyed. No one is left to help you. I warned you when you were prosperous, but you replied, don't bother me. You have been that way since childhood. You simply would not obey me. And now the wind will blow away your allies and your friends will be taken away as captives. Surely then you will see your wickedness and be ashamed. It may be nice to live in a beautiful palace paneled with wood from the cedars of Lebanon, but soon you will groan with pangs of anguish, anguish like that of a woman in labor. So that he's talking to the king, but he's also talking to the people and he's talking to us. You have been that way since childhood. You simply would not obey me. I warned you, you were prosperous. You felt like things were going good in your life and you said, don't bother me. You know, you thought you had it all under control, but look at, I'm tearing down everything around you. You know, he's starting from the outside in. You're like, oh no, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And he's tearing this down and this down and this down and you see it going away and going away and going away until there's absolutely nothing left. And he says, you would not obey me, so I am allowing you to be conquered. And he warned them. And so there's this series that I've been watching and basically all of these, these four or five leaders have been trying to conquer these seven kingdoms. And there's this one in particular that she's a, she's a female, she's only female. Um, 
she's not a king, but she's the ruler, and she, they're trying to conquer all of the seven kingdoms and become ruler of the seven kingdoms. And so she doesn't. The, her problem is she doesn't have an army, and so she, in order to become con become leader, she has to get an army. And what bothers her is slavery, and so she is going around trying to build up an army. So what she's doing is she's going around to all of the cities who are captives and slaves, and this is just a, a show, but she's going around to, uh, and she's freeing them from their slavery to build her army. And that's how she is going to try to capture the Seven Kingdoms. So I was watching it a few weeks ago, and this line from this show has been rolling around in my head, and it fits so well here. Her like second in command turns her, <coughs> they're, they're sitting on the outside of this fortified city, and the smaller army that she has has just defeated the captors that are holding this huge group of slaves. And she wants these slaves to now be her part of her army. So she killed the captors. And now she, in their freedom, she wants their loyalty. So she's outside and there's, there's these huge walls that are, and I always think of it as like Joshua and, and Jericho, you know, there's these huge walls keeping these people in. And so now she's outside with her commanders and she's waiting because these people have now been freed and she's waiting for them to come out. And her second in command, so I had to rewatch the clip so I could see exactly how he said it. He said, you didn't conquer them, your grace. You liberated them. And she turned to him and said, but people learn to love their chains. Because she was confused why they weren't coming out. She's like, they're free. Why aren't they coming out? And she said, but people learn to love their chains. Now, eventually, they did come out, and it's this beautiful scene. They all walk out, and they realize that they're free, and they do become part of our army, and I'm waiting for the new season to figure out if she wins. But um, what I wrote down was, Israel had to be conquered so that they could be liberated from their sins. But we have already been liberated through Christ. But we have to learn not to love our chains. And so when I was thinking about what Norma was sharing about her trip to Turkey, and um, sorry, and so she was talking about how they are so not they're so they're even quieted in their worship. And these we know we pray for the the underground church and how they um, they can't even be free to worship and. Yet here we are, and we sit, and we have been given this freedom in Christ, but we've learned to love our chains, and we've been liberated in him, and we have to come out from our chains, and, and when Rob was sharing last week about um, what is tr truly needed in this fellowship and in the church at large is not more works and not anything other than it starts with repentance. You know, and I had a chance to share with Michelle this week. I was talking to her and I was like, you know, one thing that really holds me is fear. You know, and that's one thing that, like, I had to go before God and be like, God, you know, even this week, I was so moved. I was brought to tears the last week listening to Rob, you know, and when he was sharing, I was so broken. And I was like, I, you know, God, forgive me. Because I, 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 it's almost as if I've learned to love my chains, you know, to stay in fear. And it keeps me from intimacy with Christ, you know, and I was thinking about this, this fellowship, you know, 12 years being in this fellowship and, um, 
what it would be to not have it. And it broke me, you know? And there's people, somebody, I didn't even see it until today, and but somebody I used to go to church with, um, at the church I grew up at, you know, they were asking, you know, um, you know, what church do you go to? You know, my son, I used to babysit him, but my gosh, he's grown. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have a place. He doesn't know where to go. Um, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't fit in anywhere, basically. And he's, he doesn't, but, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have a church home. You know, he doesn't have a family. And I was so broken when I saw that this morning. And I was like, oh God, you know, I'm so grateful for what I have here. You know, and there's so many people that don't have that. And we take that for granted. And we just, we do, we disrespect it. And we don't, we, we don't treasure it. And, and we should, we should start, it, it, it does, it starts with repentance, but not, but repentance towards God, because first and foremost, because we do, we live, we've, we've learned to love our chains, all of us, in, in different areas of our lives, but we have been liberated, and you know, what does it take? You know, does it take, you know, another nation conquering us, you know, before we recognize you know, when we look in that mirror and go, how did I get here? You know, I've, I have done some horrible things that I'm so ashamed of. And, you know, I wish sometimes like when, when Faith said that, you know, when I found out Faith was turning 17, you know, I was like, wow, oh, to be 17 again. You know, it was just a few years um, later that I made some decisions that altered the course of my life and led me down a path that I'm still paying the price for. And oh my gosh, I wish, what I wish I would have done, you know, but you have a chance now to submit to Christ now, so you don't have to go that way, but oh, to be 17 again, I can't go back, but I can, I can, I can be free from my chains now, you know, I've lived 41 years, I don't have to live another 41 years that way. You know, and so I really wanted to share my heart this morning. And, you know, I, I just think about when, you know, the Word of God says that they all left Israel in chains and how they were walking away and going, how did we get here? How did we get here? And they had everything they could have ever wanted. God made sure no country could even touch them. And yet he said, that's enough. I've had it with your rebellion. And he allowed them to be completely conquered. And they sat there in prison for 70 years. And I was like, oh God, I don't want to do it. You know, so come out, you know, because realize that you're not in chains anymore. We've been liberated through Christ, you know. And so anyway, that's what I wanted to share this morning. So thank you for giving me this time. Thank you, Carrie. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. By God's power, you all. It can't just be a lot of talk. It can't just be a lot of show. It just can't be like a lot of knowledge that you think you possess, that, that you carry this form of religion, and all it is is a lot of talk. But there's nothing being exerted from your life that shows that your eyes have been opened. We all can put on a good game face and look holy and look right. But deep inside, 
you know you're in chains. You're enslaved. And you ought not to be. Especially if you're a Christian. You may ask, Rob, you seem to be hard lately. You seem to be really direct lately. And it's not that I intend to be rude or to hurt your feelings. But the intention behind the words is because it saddens me when I stand up here and I share the gospel, I share the good news, I share God's word, and I had no clue what Carrie was going to share this morning. But many times when I stand up here and I see the end of our service, the majority are walking out in chains. And that breaks my heart. <laughs> it breaks my heart. <sighs> to know freedom. To know Christ. To love Him. And to experience the fullness of His grace and His power. To free us from all types of bondage and addictions and mindsets and fears. And liberate us. And then say, go into this darkened, sinful, hateful, rebellious world and be my hands, be my feet. Announce freedom to the captives. Live as one who's been freed. And listen. I know it's not easy. He tells us it's not going to be easy. Like everything in this temporal world hates God. Hates Him. Before our eyes are open, we hated Him. And you say, well, I didn't hate God. No, you did. Because we were all born in rebellion towards him. We blame him for everything. We hate him. We push him aside and say, we know best. And in the end, for what? For what? What do you know best? What do I know best? We get so consumed and focused on the temporalness of this life that can be stuffed out at any moment. We weren't created for the temporal things of this life, y'all. We were created with a purpose. Like God has a plan for our life. And we have a purpose in this generation.
not just to go to church, <laughs> not just to go to another prayer meeting, not just to go to this and to this and to that and to this and still remain the same. That is not what God has. But genuine faith is to care for the needy and not remain tainted by the world. That's what James says. It's to look intently into the Word of God. And when you turn from it, you don't forget who you are. What leads us back to our bondage is we forget our identity in Christ. Like, listen, you all. You all should be serving. You should be loving. You should be in the Word. You should be meditating on it. You should be hiding it in your heart. Not because you're forced to. Not because of like, it, it, it's a law that's there to burden you. No, because that's what gives you more and more freedom to live. Jesus, God himself in flesh, rode into the city. <laughs> they were in uproar. They had no clue what they were doing. And by the end of the week, as I said earlier, they're yelling out, crucify him. And sometimes we're no different. Sometimes we can applaud God and then yell, crucify him the next day, the next hour. You see, the Christian life, and I've never sugarcoated it because it's not sugarcoated here. Jesus himself says, like, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, consider the cost. Don't be flippant about coming to follow me, he says. No, you better realize what you're getting yourself into. It's not to get your best life now. It's not. Like, do you understand the call of a Christian? Like, your eyes have been open. You see Jesus for who he is. You see that you're a sinner, that you're in complete rebellion, and you know there's no way possible for you to fix yourself. So you surrender and say, God, I need you. Like such great love. He doesn't push back. He doesn't tear you down with his words. He is pleased to reveal himself to you. His great love for you. And he says, come this way. Come, follow me. I will see you through. And when you recognize him, you consider that cost because you say, I know if I go, I've got to leave this behind. You see, the two worlds collide. And it's not easy. There's a lot of internal struggle. Your flesh is not going to give up easy. It'll keep trying to snatch you back. The world will come and bombard your mind and your desires and everything about it will try to lure you back. Hell itself now takes notice. 
And just as it took notice of Christ to destroy him, it takes notice in us. Because now we're kingdom people. We're no longer of this world. We walk by faith and not by sight. We know in whom we belong. And our words now are words of life. Like we burn bright. Not of anything of ourselves, not anything that we can cultivate or try to even possess within ourselves. No, it's all based on Him because we belong to Him. We are sealed in Him. We've been given the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and we are guarded and we are sealed until the day of redemption. And that's how you live, that's your new identity. You've considered the cost. All of this has to go as I'm taking the steps of faith to follow you. Because I'll follow you wherever you lead me. Because I know you have set a path before me. And no matter what comes my way, I can trust in you. Because this world is not my home. And listen, there will be some that would see the fullness of who he is and they will choose not to go his way because this is their home and they're fine with that. They may even take on a form of religion but they do not belong to him because their life and their very words show whom they are shackled with. And I've warned you all over the years, if you hear a gospel that is being presented that gives you the right to yourself, you better run from it. If you're hearing a gospel that's being presented that you have to follow all these laws and rules, you better run from it. You see, there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom in Christ. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Making the decision, you should feel the pain. You should feel that internal struggle. And if you're not feeling it, then something is wrong. You ought to be feeling like, oh, but if, but oh, but, I, but oh. You need to feel it. Because once you overcome in Christ, you understand what it cost you. And you understand whom you laid your life down for. Like no greater love is expressed until one lays down their life for their friend. How can you say you love him and yet not do what he asks? Jesus says why do you call me Lord Lord why and yet not do what I ask why aren't you obeying that's the question you all why aren't we obeying and so you just need to get real you don't beat yourself up don't play the the weird game that the enemy wants your, your captor wants you to play the mind game. 
remember, Jesus wants you just the way you are. Because he transforms you. Because once you're turned around and you're going the right way, people take notice. They can't help but take notice because you're different. You're different. Not because of anything you, because they know you and you know you. Because if it was me, I would be back there. So then what's wrong with you? Why have you changed? What do you mean you're not doing this anymore? What do you mean this has, you're not this and you're not that? Because of Jesus. And listen, the message of the gospel today is making Jesus so common, making his blood nothing. They nail him to the cross, but they don't let him out of the tomb. Y'all better hear that. Because the more and more I'm turning on television, the more and more I'm hearing people calling themselves Christians, you know what they believe in? A dead God. Oh, he's so compassionate, so I'm compassionate. I give to the poor. Oh, yes, I serve. I do. God loves me. They keep him on the cross. Oh, but the Bible itself tells us if our message is just the cross, we're fools. We're fools. If that's all we've got is a dead God, we're fools. And I would challenge you all today, is that your God? Because if you're still enslaved, that's your God. The dead one on the cross. Oh, but three days later, y'all, don't forget. <laughs> they came to the tomb. And the body wasn't there. He rose from the dead. He's alive. He's conquered sin and death. The very thing that you are letting your captor enslave you with, the very thing your flesh is enticed by, the very things that the world is trying to press up against you, is defeated. So why on earth are you still there? I choose to believe in the risen Savior. I choose to believe every time I get up and I have an opportunity to share with people to tell of the risen Savior. Not to make excuses for our sin. Listen, we're not going to be perfect until we are with Him. So our goal every day is not to be perfect. Our goal every day is to love our Lord, our God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our body, with all of our strength. Our goal every day is to say, not my will, but your will be done. Our goal every day says, I'm a dead man. I'm a dead woman. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in and through me. That is your goal. As a Christian, God, I can't, but you can. How many times I say that throughout the day? The days I forget to say that, you know the mess that I make? Like, I want to encourage you all. 
Like we can't remain sick. People are dying. The gospel is being run amok. It's, it's being torn down every which way. And people are hearing it. Even prominent preachers who people used to follow are now, the gospel that they're preaching is not Jesus any longer. The church is so confused on how she's supposed to be because they lost the identity in Christ because she freely gave it up. Oh, but there is a remnant. God always keeps a remnant of people on the earth that belong to him. That's why I've always told you. You say, well, sometimes your message is always so doom and gloom. Oh! Because that's the message. (laughs) But the greater message is the hope. The good news is that the church, the remnant of God's people, is still on this earth. Because Christ has us here. It is his purpose, his design, his plan, that his body, whom he is the head, is functioning in this corrupt world. And I don't want to continue down the road another day, another moment, another second to just settle that we as a church remain sick. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. People are dying. And yet, just right when I feel I'm at a point of just like, God, this is way too much. (laughs) It's too much. God sends people along my way like Antoinette. You know how much I love you? You did, don't you? Just as I'm at a point of just going, God, this is just really, I feel like I'm just talking to the walls. Antoinette, not knowing what I'm feeling, comes and says to me last Sunday, do you mind me sharing? It's okay. Hey, Rob, do you know my friend that we've been praying for? Who's an atheist? He's at church today. And he's thanking her for influencing him. And I go, oh God. And then I'm reminded, the remnant, Rob. We're not perfect. Antoinette's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we know the one who is. And it's not puffed up. There was no puffing up when she came to me. Oh, look, Rob, look at me, look at me, look at what I did, look what I did. (laughs) No, there was such a genuineness and a brokenness for her friend. And I go, oh, God. If she's the only one hearing, I'll keep preaching. It's not easy, you all. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be easy when you're out there sharing with others. It's not going to be easy to be 
conformed into the image of Christ daily in a world that hates him. So be very careful when you see people that look like the world praising Jesus. Because they're not praising the resurrected Jesus. They're praising the dead one. Because a Christian, a life in Christ, doesn't give you the right to live for yourself. And that's why I don't make it, I'm not going to stand up here and, and, and pretend with you all. It's not. There's hard decisions that will need to be made. There are people that you are going to have to break relationship with. There's even family members you'll have to. There's a standard that's going to be raised up in your life and you just go, I just can't keep living down here. You know what the enemy loves to do? They to keep us victims. <laughs> the poor me. <laughs> poor me. <laughs> poor me. If all you see is poor you, then your eyes are only on you. And then if he doesn't keep us a victim, he begins to open up doors to give us what we really want. So now we're puffed up. Now we think we've got it all together. And somehow it's all done by my hands. Oh, the enemy knows. The Bible's very clear. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we wrestle with principalities and rulers in the air and, and the darkness. Spiritual realm is real. And it's sad that the occult, the lost, know the power of it more so than the church. It's crazy. And why do you think it lures the minds and the hearts of people to such darkness? Before I became a Christian, I was involved in the occult. I knew the power of darkness. I knew what it was like to enter the room and want darkness to enter me to make me even more stronger to learn how to control and manipulate other people. <laughs> to see the level in the demonic realm, to go into trances <laughs> and to be able to come out and tell people all about their lives. And I thought that was power. It was nothing. When Jesus steps in and says, today you'll live. The pills dropped from my hands. Such great power invaded my life. And the more I shift my thinking and my heart and my mind and my eyes towards him, the deeper I fell in love with him. Like nothing you all can compare to Jesus. <laughs> nothing. And even in moments in my walk with Christ that I thought others or things could, and I went back as a dog to its vomit, <laughs> I was reminded of my value and my worth in Christ. And as I'm slapping up on that vomit, what am I doing here? Why am I settling for this? 
because I'm afraid, because I see myself as a victim, because I see myself, my life is this or that. No, 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 what am I doing? Because I'm a dead man. I have no rights. If you're a Christian, you're dead. You have no rights to yourself. You keep clinging to yourself and you'll remain in chains. But I'm here to tell you today that our God is not still on the cross. Our God is alive. He is sitting on the throne. His plan that has been in effect from the beginning to the end is going to be accomplished, whether you believe in it or not. His plan, his purpose will come to pass because he's God. And so whatever struggles you're going through, whatever, is, whatever your chains are that's keeping you from saying, yes, Lord, I pray that they would be snapped off. And some will. But the ones that are really holding you, the only way they come off is you take them off. Because it's your choice to stay where you're at. The greatest lesson I learned in the time of my deliverance was I had to stop blaming the enemy. I had to stop blaming people. I had to realize that my choices and my actions had led me right, as Carrie said earlier, where I am. It's me, myself, and I that caused this in my life. It's me, myself, and I that is choosing to remain enslaved. So if all this other stuff is broken off by the power of Christ, then he says, Rob, get up from there. Walk out. Throw off, the Bible says, the sin that so easily entangles you. And I've always said, you know yourself better than anyone. And the only one you're fooling trying to be religious <laughs> is yourself. So my desire for us is to get real. You're more than welcome to continue to come even in the midst of your brokenness, uncertainty, uh, you know, like I, I, I doubt, I don't know, that's fine. You, you belong here. The ones that I was going after last week and will continue to go after are the ones who dare come here and want to hold a form of religion and act a nut. You don't belong here. And if you don't move yourself, I'll move you. And I'm not being mean. I'm just being real. Because as a pastor, I take the role very serious. It's a shepherd. I have to guard what has been entrusted to me. So if I've got people all messed up in the head, unsure what to do, what's the next step, and they see someone who's religious, who looks like they've matured in their faith, or they've talked about God for quite some time, and yet they're running amok, well, the devil is a liar. Because lest you forget, if you think you're holy, you think you're right, and you know good and well you're not, and you're talking about Jesus to others, you're messing them up. You're tripping them up. And Jesus himself says, it's best that you tie a heavy stone around your neck and throw yourself in the water. 
Those are Jesus' words. He doesn't play when it comes to his people. So again, I'm not looking for perfection for many of us because that's not what he's looking for. What I'm looking for is a community of people who are saying, I'm hungry. I don't know all, I don't know everything, but what I do know, I'm making the choice to follow Jesus. I receive this free gift of salvation. I believe in my heart that he is the son of God and he rose from the dead. The Bible doesn't say to become a Christian, to say you believe in Jesus and that he was nailed on the cross and leave it there. Again, that's where a lot of people who think that they're saved stay and they're not saved at all because all they know is a dead God. But the Bible says if you're going to believe, if you're going to confess, this is your belief and this is your confession, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he rose from the dead. And in that, that is what begins to shape your mind, your heart, and your will. Because it's contrary to everything that this world would try to sell you. It is contrary and it is against everything your natural self feels. And it's contrary and it's against everything that the kingdom of darkness has tried to display. Jesus, you all. No greater power or authority. Jesus, he's God. Such great love. And he looks and he says to us, as they treated me, so they will treat you. Now, do you hear that? As they treated me, so they will treat you. The Bible's very clear. To some people, you're going to be a fragrance of life. Oh, there's something fresh about you. Like, tell me more. Like, who is this Jesus? What is it that, he, that he's done for us? What do, you, what do you talk about freedom? That, that's a foreign concept. I, I'm free. Maybe I'm really not free. Because there's something different. It's like you're living in a different place. And to others, you will be a stench of death. Just by doing good. You may not even share the gospel. You, you just doing the right thing, it'll irritate people. It'll irritate people. Because the Bible's very clear. Some you'll be a fragrance of life, others you will be a stench of death. They will hate you because of Christ in you. And Jesus says that they will even kill you thinking that they're doing the work of God. Do you understand what I say to you then, that as Christians, when you wake up, like if you're sitting here today and you say, I'm a Christian, what did you realize when your eyes opened this morning and you took a breath in that you are behind enemy lines? Careful what you get entangled up with. 
Because this world is not your home. Parents, grandparents, that's why it is so important if you're a Christian that you are instilling into the children the Christian faith to, so that when they get to the point in their life that they want to make it their own personal decision, they have a foundation and they have an example before them. Because they understand the cost. Like we love everyone because God loves everyone. And I've shared with you all, they're not our enemies. The loss is not our enemy. We once were lost. So now we go forward, not hating people, but loving and serving. That is our position as the church. They want to live however they want to live. That is their choice. That's their choice. But just know that your life in Christ, that you're waking up every day and you're going through every day living behind enemy lines. You don't belong here, but you're here. And you're here for a purpose. Just like every good soldier, when they're off into war, they're behind enemy lines. And they don't get entangled in civilian warfare. They don't start looking like the territory that they're in. They don't start adopting their customs and their beliefs. And that's why it's vital that you grow as a Christian. You grow, you grow, you grow. You know your God. You know your God. You know what he's accomplished. You're reminding yourself daily. Yes, it's good to have other Christians around you. and We need other Christians around us because we've been given each other as the church, as a gift. Because we're all going through the same process of sanctification. And we need each other to encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. But your Christian faith should not just be based on how others are upholding you up. Because there are going to be times they're not available. And then are you standing? See, you got to learn <laughs> to say it to yourself. It's got to be your truth. Not Norma's truth. Not Michelle's truth. Your truth. Your truth. And let me tell you something. When you see the awesomeness of God, when you see with clear vision the love of Christ and what he has accomplished and how you can live now, nothing in this world, no relationship, no internal desire, nothing compares to it. And that's why Jesus says, Consider the cost. Consider the cost. Just don't flippantly like, okay, I'm, I'm a Christian. Poof. Oh, no, no, no. Consider the cost. Like who in their right mind signs up 
to follow a man, a God that we've never seen, who was born of a virgin, who did miraculous miracles on this earth. Like everything about Jesus, it's not just a little book, you all. Like everything happened. It's all documented. His crucifixion and then his resurrection from the dead that now we believe we have his power, his Holy Spirit living in us to go into the world that hates him and hates us and be light bearers and love to people and hope that they will turn to Christ. That's what you're signing up for as a Christian. You said, I'm a dead man. I've been born again. You understand that? Because you remember when the, when the Pharisee came, the religious man came to Jesus, and he says, how then can I be born again? Or enter into the kingdom of God, and Jesus says, you must be born again. And he says, but I can't go back in my mama. And Jesus says, oh, I'm not talking about a physical rebirth. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. It's a whole different way of thinking and living. Filled with power, not from yourself, but from God. Why do you think heaven, the Bible says, heaven rejoices when one believes, comes to faith in Christ. Because I imagine heaven and these angels and these beings just going, erupting, like, oh, there's another one. That's love being displayed throughout all creation. They can't help but to rejoice. Everything is against them. Everything in and in, in of themselves, because remember, we're born sinners, we hate God, we are rebellious to the things of God. There's nothing in us that will ever awaken us to God. So we have that against us, we have the world against us, and we have the enemy against us. But all of a sudden, from heaven, they're looking down, and they see one bow and say, I believe Jesus and rise up <sighs> a new person. Heaven can't help but rejoice because love is displayed. And why do you think with Jesus' life on this earth, he went and endured so much, even to the point when he was in the garden praying, if this cup... <laughs> can pass me by. And he was talking about what he was about to endure on the cross. But he finally got to a place where he said, but not my will. Your will be done. When they beat the heck out of him, when they tore his flesh off of his body, when they jammed the crown of thorns on his head, and they put that heavy cross upon him. And he had to walk 
that road. <laughs> That's God, you all. And he did it for you. He did it for me. And you just want me to stand up here and preach a really frilly message to make you feel good? Oh, no. <laughs> I'll never do it. <laughs> I want to hold up the standard of truth. He carried the cross. They beat him so bad that you couldn't even recognize who he was. And you know what? He said not a word. And he willingly stretched his arms out to be nailed. And when they lifted up the cross, he hung there thinking of you. Thinking of me. Thinking of those that would come. Just Days before, he's on the donkey, like I read earlier, riding into town. Everyone's celebrating. And at the end of the week, he's on the cross. And you know what God did on the cross? Jesus looked out. And then he looked up and he says, Father, forgive them. This is the God, if you're sitting here today and you're not a Christian, or you're sitting here today thinking you're a Christian, this is the God that loves you. And his will is that you shall not perish. His will is that you will not remain Lost. His will is that you would not remain religious because you're religious and lost. His will is that you would know him. Remember, Jesus knows not everyone is coming to him. So be careful with the false gospels that are telling you differently. Remember, on this earth, there will be people when the signs of the time, when the seals are being broken, <laughs> right before his return, all hell is going to hit this earth. That's why I keep telling you it's going to get darker. It's going to get more chaotic. But we're not to be afraid. We're to be brighter. We're to be ready for this. I don't know. That's what, that's what I'm passionate about. I don't know if the church is ready. Because we can barely stand when our bank account is nothing. <laughs> we can barely stand when we get the doctor's report. We can barely stand when lust and perversion is craving within us and we just got to watch it or give ourselves to it. <laughs> oh, come on. We need to be able to stand up for righteousness. We need to stand up and begin to claim the authority of Christ. Because as hell is bombarding, when, when things are just going to get more crazy, 
And God himself is doing everything in the end times to reveal himself. The Bible says that there will still be people on this earth that will look up and see all this chaos and still hold up their fist and say, you're not God. <laughs> what? The Bible says even in the last days that it's possible the elect will be deceived and begin to follow the teachings of demons. Oh, don't think that the spiritual realm isn't real. But I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> I'm not afraid of demons or darkness. Because <laughs> there's a light in me that cannot be snuffed out. Yeah. And I want to be part of a, a community of people who have a desire to burn bright. Not perfect, but to burn bright. <coughs> to say, I want more Jesus, so I'm showing up hungry. I want more Jesus. I want to expose what's going on in my life and the things that are happening because I know that y'all are not going to judge me. I want more Jesus. I want it off of me. <coughs> and we come hungry. Not just for Gilda's food. <laughs> But that we come hungry. Like this is our banquet table. And we say, God, we're not perfect, but you are. And if you're sitting here and you're not a Christian, that's I told you that's fine. Come. You need to be here. You need to hear. Because I'm praying for the day for your eyes to be open to say, wait a minute. <laughs> There's going to be a time in your life, if you're unsaved and you're sitting here, there's going to be a time in your life where the rubber's going to meet the road. And Jesus himself is going to reveal himself to you. And there will be enough planted in you already that you'll know it's him. And you'll fall on your knees or you'll stand with your arms open and you'll say, I know you and I'm sorry. I've denied you this whole time. I believe. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you rose from the dead. Listen, I'm not asking you if you ever prayed a prayer, the little prayer, oh Jesus, I'm a sinner, da da da, I receive you. That doesn't make you saved. And we're leading a lot of people in that prayer. <laughs> And they have no clue what they're saying. No, do you truly believe? I remember one night when I was preaching at this event. And people were waiting in line to talk with me. And this young girl was standing there. She had the attitude all over her. And she walked up to me and she wanted to tell me here and there. And how she always feels judged when, when, I, when I come to church. <laughs> and I listened. And I let her spew her, her feelings and all the other stuff. And I remember saying to her, it's nice to meet you. And I went to go talk to the next person. And I remember her taking me and turning me around and said, 
You're not going to ask me to pray the prayer. You're not going to ask me to give my heart to Jesus. And I said, no, (laughs) because you're not ready. You're not ready. And so I turned. And I began to minister to the other people. A week or so later, I'm out in a restaurant, and this woman comes walking towards me. It's the same woman. She was ready. She was ready. Sometimes you just let, I have to let people be where they're at until they're ready. Because again, in closing, if you haven't heard what I've said over and over, a true believer confesses, they believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord. And from this belief, they confess with their mouth that he rose from the dead. Such great power. But the Bible says that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now in you because you've been born again. Just by that simple, simple faith and belief and confession. You're born again of a new nature. It's not that you're perfect. doesn't mean you're not going to have those struggles. It doesn't mean that you're not going to sin. But when you do and when the struggles are hitting, you're growing and you're maturing and your light is getting brighter to say no. No, I don't belong here. I'm not that person anymore. Oh, Jesus, I need you. And your walk grows more and more and more dependent upon him as you're becoming to look more and more like him so that people around you go, what on earth has happened to you? I live no longer for myself. I belong to Christ. That is a Christian. And as we go through this holy week, I challenge you, open up the book of Matthew, chapter 21, And read to the end. See the week that Jesus had leading up to the cross. This is our king, you all. We can't make light of him. We can't just trample on his blood as if it was nothing. We can't just keep doing what we're doing. And saying what we're saying and thinking what we're thinking. Like we are being conformed into his image. (laughs) He's transforming us by changing the way we think. So I don't know where each of you are at. But I do know this. Too many of you are getting up, walking out of here still in chains. When Jesus is here, And he's saying, just give them to me. Just give them to me. I've defeated every other power that has been enticing you. 
I have defeated the world that wants to bombard you and shape you and mold you. But what I won't do is force you to give it up. Your desire, your ways. No, that has to be a choice you make. I've made a way. Do you believe? And that is your belief and your confession to lay aside everything else. I told you all. After giving my life to Christ, making that statement of faith and that confession, it took almost a good year to where I really was free. Trust me, within that year, I fought everything. Surely God loves me. It's okay for me to be this way. Like, what am I going to do with my beautiful condo on the beach and the house that I'm building? You know, oh, I have, I have all this money that I could do stuff with for the kingdom of God. Surely that's the devil trying to take it all away from me. How am I going to provide for my family? I promised my mom and my aunt they can move into the condo. <laughs> like I'm making and doing things for others that, oh God, if I'm going to follow you, <laughs> it's going to affect a lot. Surely, God, you're not asking me. Because don't you know, God, I'm in love with this person. I feel right with this person. He's my all in all. I mean, for goodness sakes, I left my first wife when I was 16 for him. Surely this is the greatest love story ever. And you want to take it away? I've got to give it up. No, 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 this can't be God. And each and every single day, this guy kept looking at me saying, I don't know what God this is, but you're changing. If it was another man, I will fight for you. But I don't know how to fight this God. And he's going to eventually kick you away because you're changing and you're changing for the good. And I kept saying, no, God's not going to do that. That's not what God's going to do. And then the day that I was supposed to sign for the business that we were opening, the Holy Spirit fell on me. <laughs> and I had to get back across the street to my condo. And I had to get real and raw with God. What are you doing? Why are you messing up my life? Leave me alone. I love you, but I, I can't do this. Who will I become? This is all I've known. This is who I've been since a child. Leave me alone. I had no Christian around me. I had no churches around me. I threw open the Bible. And it opened up to Romans 6. 
Because as I'm screaming, leave me alone, I kept saying, if you're real, then just speak to me. Romans 6, what then shall you say? Shall you continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you died with me, you've been raised up with me into a new life? And no one else in that room with me. But my lover was outside the door hearing the craziness. Like that man has lost his mind. And then I said, God, okay, okay, give me a few months. I got to save money. I, I got to figure out because I don't know what I'm going to do. And God says, take nothing with you. Everything you have, you've got it in sin. Oh, God, where would I go? What am I going to become? Trust me, he says. And I told you all, when I got off that floor, it was like things were falling off of me. And for the first time, when I opened up that door, and this man who played a pivotal role my whole childhood, from molesting me, all the way through all these years of the lies and the deception and him getting me to where I was raped by another man. You know, when all this junk, everything was taking place in the warped sense of my mind, thinking that I was who I was, all of a sudden I'm looking and I'm like, oh God, have mercy on his soul. And then he looks and he says, you're leaving. And I says, I have to. I belong to him now. I belong to him. And it started a journey of trusting in God. So if you think that I'm just going to stand here every Sunday and play church with you all, you're in the wrong place. this is real to me because he's real and I have fought for years there's been seasons where I don't, I don't even want him anymore God this is just too hard and yet he reminds me of how great his love is and I go oh but I remember I'm yours so you say but you always share that well, apparently I share it, but you're still walking out in chains. <laughs> As if I don't understand the struggle of what you have to face of making the decision to follow Christ. The phone call when Norma calls me years ago and says, Are you serious? Are you sure you're free? Like, I know that struggle. I heard it in her voice. I remember what it's like. And now she's traveling all around the world. <laughs> and some of the darkest cultures sharing the gospel. 
Come on, you all. He's alive. He's real. And if you choose not to believe, ah, that's your choice. But oh, God, have mercy on your soul at the end of of days. Because your choice is before you every day. Life or death. And the Bible says that he would hope that you would choose life. See, he doesn't play. He doesn't play the weird lover games that we play when when we're in weird relationships. You either love him or you don't. At the end of the days, when you take your last breath, you're only going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into this kingdom in which I've promised you throughout your lifetime. Now it's yours for eternity. Praise be to God. Or he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, you who are bound by sin. I don't know you. And listen, that's not going to be the time where you're going to stand and say, oh, but it was just too hard. I couldn't walk away from that. I couldn't give up that. Oh, there's no way. You see, you didn't understand the struggle. Oh, he understands the struggle. That's why he came. Look at Jesus' life, you all. On this earth. He knows in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, he says. Now, how many of you have a cell phone with you? Raise them up. If you have a cell phone, raise your cell phone up. Now, keep your cell phones up. Who has Facebook? Keep your phones up. If you have Facebook, keep your phones up. If you don't have Facebook, I want you to go sit next to someone who does have Facebook. So those of you who don't have Facebook, find someone that has Facebook. No, if you don't have it, we won't have time for that. Then find someone who has it. Come sit with Michelle. Carrie's going to text you a link. I don't want you to press it yet until I say. But each of you should receive a text from Carrie. And when you get the text, hold up your phone so I know you have it. We're, We're finishing today. I don't want to finish without seeing this. So if you don't have a good view of someone's phone, get a good view. Has anyone received a text yet? No, I'm working on everybody's name. Okay. Jesus, you all. Like, listen, we're about to celebrate Easter, but Easter shouldn't be just a one one-time event every year. It's every day. He's alive. That's how we should be greeting each other as Christians. Did anybody get it? Yes. yes. Did everyone have it? Yes. Yeah? Ed, you got it? 
It's in your. It's, it's, it's in your. Text. It's in your text. Yeah, it's in your text. Go to your text. No, no, no. Go to your regular text. <laughs> Sorry. Don't start it. Sorry. It's all right. It's like and I really want y'all to pay attention. Rather you're saved or unsaved, I just want you to see Jesus and what this week is all about. So are we ready? Go ahead and push it. Everyone's going to hear it, but just watch the words and watch the scenes.
I would encourage you to take some time throughout this week again to read the final week of Jesus' life. Maybe go back to the video and watch it. I opened up today reading about Palm Sunday, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. There were people gathered all around, just, just caught up in the moment. But another thing that moves me about this account is how it ended. The people asked, who is he? And that's my prayer for us, you all. If you're sitting here today and you don't know him, or you think you do, but you know your life isn't in Christ, it's still in yourself. Like you would truly, with a sincere heart, get up from this place and ask him, who are you? Reveal yourself to me, Lord. I may be walking out yet another Sunday in chains, but God, if you are who you are, then reveal yourself to me. I don't want to continue in these chains. Like it is my prayer that you would truly know freedom, no matter your age, but that you would know him. And that you would experience the fullness of who he is while you're still on this earth as you look forward to his eternal kingdom. May God bless you all. I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer.
Let's go.